Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello, hello, hello. Today's episode is all about swarms. As we approach spring and early summer, this is when the bee colonies want to expand. And contrary to a lot of belief, swarming is perfectly natural and it is an indication of health of the bees. It means they are able to do what they need to do to procreate. So I'm going to explain a little bit about the life cycle of bees and then you've got an idea of what's actually happening. So in a colony of honeybees, you have one queen, you'll have 40 to 50,000 female worker bees and you'll have a few hundred male bees or the drones. Now, as we get through the winter months and into early spring, the queen has been laying eggs, sometimes from midwinter. So as the days start to get longer, she starts laying eggs. And those eggs, after 21 days for the female bees, 24 days for the male bees, they all start to emerge. This means that the colony is dramatically expanding as we get into April and early May. Now, as they have filled their hive, they need to expand. There are lots of things that beekeepers can do to sort of delay or prevent swarming. However, you've got to think about why would you want to do that? So what's happening inside the hive is the colony is filling up their cavity. So be it a wild colony in a tree or in a beehive, in a conventional beehive, and they need more space. What happens is the bees collectively make a decision to move. And what happens is the majority of the worker bees, the female bees who are adults, so they're mature enough to fly. So in the last three weeks of their life, they have been spending quite a bit of time scouting the area. They've been going out looking at new places that they could move into or could also be good for creating a colony. They'll be looking for cavities in trees. They'll also be finding out empty hives that perhaps are in people's gardens or in the backs of their sheds. They could even be looking at cavities in buildings, in roofs and chimneys. They're having a good look around the area. And because the colony works as a super organism and it is a democracy, it's not until the whole colony agrees on where they're going to go that they actually settle somewhere. When they've decided to swarm, there's been lots of things in preparation. But I'm going to talk about it in stages. The actual swarm contains the mother queen, the old queen, the majority of the adult bees, the flying bees, and some of the male bees. Before they leave, the female bees will fill up their stomachs with honey because when they get to their new home, they need to make wax and bees need honey to make beeswax comb or the honeycomb. It's really vital that the bees carry this honey. Otherwise, they could get to a new home and if the weather changes, they're not going to be able to make any beeswax if they can't fly and collect more nectar and make it into honey and therefore wax. Therefore, it's absolutely imperative that the bees have plenty of honey so that in, that enables them to swarm at the this time of year. So when they take flight, they will settle and this gives them a sort of a breathing ground and they'll be looking at different sites. 
if they haven't found somewhere in their local environment, they will sort of leapfrog around the area. They're going to settle, hang on a branch. The scout bees will go off, look around, looking for, for good sites and then come back. They'll share the information they've got and then send other scout bees off to have a look and see what kind of cavities are available. When the entire colony agrees, they'll move in to that cavity and then they will create a new home. One of the things I do with with most of my clients is we locate where the wild bees are or even where established colonies are. And we ensure that we have empty bait hives around that area. So then the scout bees will find these cavities and decide to move straight into those. That's a brilliant way of catching a prime swarm. So the prime swarm is the first swarm of the season with the mother queen. And this is important because the mother queen is already fertilized. So as soon as they settle into a new cavity, she can start laying eggs and the colony continue to expand. If you want to catch a swarm, you need to capture them while they're in that indecided moment. So while they're hanging off a branch or they're clustered on a fence post. And if you go and approach them and you actually shake them into a box, um, or into a skep, I like to use straw skeps, then you can take them elsewhere and walk them into a beehive. They can still be quite flighty though, so it helps to take them a little way out of their area so that the hive you walk them into is the best option and the bees will all democratically decide to stay put. When the bees are shaken into a hive, if you want to catch a swarm, there's lots of tips you can do. I like to use a straw skep. And you find where the swarm is hanging, take with you a big tablecloth or an old sheet and lay that on the ground. Then going up to the branch, you want to hold your basket underneath the branch. And if you can just shake the, the branch which has the cluster or the bees on it, they will fall into the basket and then you can carry the basket over to your sheet, turn it upside down, make sure that there's enough space for the bees to crawl into the skep. So if it if your hole is at the top, block up the top hole and just have a little bit of a wedge, put a stone or some sticks underneath so the bees can go into that skep. It's quite important to sort of block up that top hole because after a couple of hours, the bees will all go in there. As long as you've got the queen in that skep, or you could use a, a cardboard box. Soon as the queen's in there, the other bees will follow. So keep an eye on the branch where the cluster was, because you're going to find, because there'll be queen pheromones on that, that will attract some of the bees. So the scout bees who've been going around looking for somewhere else to live, they'll come back to that branch where the queen pheromone is, and they'll cluster around there. So you might need to scoop a few up. So you don't want to place your box or your skep too far away from where that cluster was. After a couple of hours, you'll return and you'll see it's really quiet. There won't seem to be any bees there. Two things would have happened. Either they've all moved on somewhere else, or if you're lucky, you can lift up the skep or the box and you'll look inside and it will be filled with bees. And they'll all be clustered in this lovely dark space thinking this will make a good home. When they're in there, wrap the sheet around the box and then you can carry your skep or your box full of bees to wherever you want to go. Then you can prop it up on a ramp up to a hive, turn up the, the skep or the box so the daylight's in it and the bees will go up the ramp and walk into the hive. So that's how you catch a swarm. Now, what's happening back in the hive when the prime swarm has left? Well, 
there'll be preparations have been going on for ages before this prime swarm has left. The colony will have decided for many reasons that they need to swarm. It could be because they've run out of space. It could be because the queen is getting older and they feel that they want to be able to um, encourage the development of a new queen, a fresh new queen to sort of extend the colony. It could be that the old queen is diseased or it could be that the colony is sick and diseased and they feel we need to have a brood break. We need to break, separate the colony to give one or other or even both colonies the chance to survive and thrive. So back in the original hive, the queen has left, the majority of the worker bees have left and you're left with eggs, larvae, some drones and some young bees and a few of the flying bees. Now, the eggs need to be reared into new queens. So a few weeks or a few days before the swarm has left, there would have been some eggs that have been selected to be reared into queens. So all eggs inside a hive are fed royal jelly for the first three days of their lives. But the queens are only fed royal jelly. So as a hive mind, the colony will have selected some eggs that they feel should be queens and they will be feeding them royal jelly. There's quite a lot of debate about at what point the swarm goes. And I suppose it depends on the weather, it depends on the colony, and it depends on the available forages around. Quite often, they will wait until the queen cells are capped, and then the queen will leave. Now, queens only take 16 days from egg to hatching. So you have quite a quick turnaround. When those first queens hatch, they're gonna scurry around the hive, and they have to develop. Now, they cannot be laying eggs because they're unfertilized. So within a few days, that queen will be well enough and fit enough and strong enough to take flight. And she will fly off to an area that's established where the drones, where the male bees hang out. And she will then mate with between 15 and 48 male bees. She'll collect all their sperm in her spermatheca and return to the hive. And then she can, as she lays eggs, there will be sperm released for the female eggs, which will then create fertilized eggs, which will become female bees. And there'll be no sperm released for the male eggs um, and they will become the male bees and the drones. Now, there is some debate about what actually happens with all the queens. It makes sense in the colony that they rear more than one queen. It's very risky for a queen bee to leave a hive. She could be eaten by a dragonfly, by wasps, by hornets, by birds, squashed by humans. And so it's not sensible um, in the laws of nature to have one queen because the whole colony would die out if something happened to her when she left the hive. So more often than not, there'll be more than one queen in a hive. And what I found in my experience is the colony will wait for that queen to return and start laying eggs before either she or the other bees cull the other queens. What you can find happens is she comes back, all is well, she's laying eggs, and she will then cast out the other queens in little clusters. And this is called a cast swarm. So it will be a small cluster of bees, just a few hundred bees and an unfertilized queen. And if you capture those, they really need a bit of nurturing because that queen's got to go off and they need to know their environment and she's got to go off and mate so that she can then start laying eggs. 
there's always been this discussion about what happens with the Queen. And before the Queens emerge, you can hear piping and quacking, which is where the Queens are determining the distance in the cells to the next Queen. It's been believed that these Queens are finding that out so that when they emerge, they can then um, kill their rivals, kill the rival Queens. But I know of many beekeepers who've seen more than one queen in a hive and even seen three generations of queens. If queens are marked, then it's easier to tell just how old the queens are. If you regularly watch your queens, if they're in an observation hive or you have a very deep connection with your bees, then again, you'll have a better idea of what's going on. So that's what's happening. Now, conventional beekeeping teaches you to prevent swarming. The reasons for this are many. A very sensible reason is if you're in a city or in a town and you've got neighbours and if you're at work, what you do not want to have is swarms all over your garden and your neighbours' gardens because it can be very intimidating. Add to that, you're going to lose your bees if you just keep allowing them to swarm because not all of the colonies survive. It's about a 50% success rate of swarm surviving. And this is why bees need to swarm. They need to increase the odds of survival. As a conventional beekeeper, you're therefore taught to inspect your hive every week and particularly at this time of year, early on in the season and look for queen cells. And if you see a queen cell, you crush it. I found this very challenging and that's why I looked into more information about why are the bees actually swarming? I'm lucky I live in um, you know, a small town. I'm on the edge of a town. I've got farmland around me. And so it's a bit easier for my bees to swarm. Also, I've educated my neighbours so they know to come and get me. But I do still do some um, swarm management. So one of the things I do is by keeping a close eye on my bees, I can see the colonies that are building up and more likely to swarm. What I do there is I make sure I have empty hives in a good sort of few hundred metres radius around my bees. We've got a little orchard at one end of our garden and then we've got um, the back garden where I have a colony of bees. What I tend to do is have an empty hive by both. I'll find that the bees in the back garden won't swarm, swarm to the hive next to them, but they will swarm to the orchard and go in into an empty hive there and vice versa. So by that way, I'm giving them the options to move. The other thing you can do with hives that are easier to manage, so if they're not such a natural hive, is um, opening up the hive. You can see when the colony is getting full and overflowing. And what I do do is an artificial swarm or a split. So I will go through the frames. If I find frames with queen cells on, I will take them out and put them into a new smaller hive. So this is called a nuke. Then I will add some eggs and I will add some um, honey and some frames with bees on, so about five frames and then allow them to rear their own queen. So you'll find you'll have the old queen in one hive and then you'll have the queen cells in the other. You'll still find that the colony with the old queen might still carry on and rear more queen cells because there's some reason that they feel they need to separate and expand. So these are the kind of things that you can do. But my best tip is to really get to know your bees and actually be prepared for swarms. Have some bait hives dotted about. Make a note each year of where swarms have settled because bees are creatures of habit. There's a reason why they always hang on the same trees or where they go to the same buildings. 
So have a think about that. If you know in your local vicinity that there are areas where bees have regularly swarmed, then put a bait hive there if you can. There's this lovely, lovely old saying, which I think is is worth remembering as well as we go through the bee season. A swarm in May is worth a barn of hay. A swarm in June is worth a silver spoon. And a swarm in July isn't worth a fly. This is a really good guideline because it shows that the bees, if they swarm earlier on in the season, they've got a longer length of time to really build up their colony so that they can have enough bees to collect enough nectar to create enough honey to store through the winter months. So early swarms are much more likely to make it through the winter months. A swarm in July does not have much time to establish themselves or bring in enough nectar to create honey to last through the year. And what I find with my management of bees being natural and not feeding bees sugar, I find that the swarms in July are the least likely to survive. What we do find, though, is they build up some wax comb. They might well be um, bringing in nectar and pollen. So if we can combine them with another smaller colony, we will. But if not, we just don't have great expectations of them getting through the winter. The bees need to have a substantial number. What is important in my perspective or from my perspective is that we rear strong bees. We want bees that are resilient, that know what time of year to swarm and they know how to build up their colonies quickly. If we keep propping them up, they're going to lose that natural instinct. The other thing that I did once is we had a latish swarm. They were July and they were into a log hive and the weather changed and there was two weeks of rain. If there's two weeks of rain. The bees can't collect nectar. They don't fly in the rain. So we did actually feed them sugar. This was about five years ago. What we found was they built wax comb, but they died anyway in the November. So they weren't a strong colony. So all we'd done by feeding them sugar was just prop them up for a short period of time. It's up to you how you decide how to manage your bees. There's all kinds of problems that go on with the bees mating and with them carrying on. But please be assured that swarming is a gift. It is a wonder of nature. And if you're stood in an orchard or in an apiary and one of your colonies takes to the sky and swarms, it's just magical to stand there and listen and watch and be surrounded by bees. A good little tip is that they are less likely to to sting you when they're swarming because they've filled their stomachs up with honey ready to make the new hive. That actually um, prevents the sting reflex from moving. So they are less likely to sting you. If you approach a swarm, if you go close to them and put your hand up to the swarm, if they sort of close down, you can almost stroke them like they're a pet, like a dog. If their tails, if their abdomens come up, it means they're hungry and they're going to be a bit feisty. So make sure you're suited and gloved before you start scooping them up. So when you see these people on the Internet who are collecting swarms and they're using their bare hands, they have a little bit of knowledge about bee behavior and a bit of information about perhaps where the bees have come from and how much food they've got. Just like humans, if they get a bit hungry, they can get a little bit angry. I hope you found this 
episode really interesting so if you are interested in swarms or you know somebody who would be whether they're a beekeeper or not or if they're in an area where they're likely to have swarms please share this episode so that more people can be excited and wonder about this incredible feat of nature thanks for listening this podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful bee brook And the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us next time on Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.